You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 462. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I am, uh, if you hear this, you hear that? Yep. That's instructions for two different products that I got for my iMac just last week that I haven't finished putting together. So, Mm, you know, you start something and then you're just like, ugh, I don't feel like doing this right now. Oh, you get to, you get asked to do something else, and then you forget to come back to it. And that's the. Oh, other I thing don't get you. asked. I it's squirrel, you know, <laughs> staring off into space elsewhere. Yeah, I, you know, I've been um, I've been building laptops for work for a lot this week, so um, oh. I kind of was up to my eyes in USB sticks and uh, boxes and uh, trying to keep track of what what I was up to, where, and all of that. I did fifteen in a couple of days. That's so much fun. <sighs> Well, this, the, the stupid thing is I, I shouldn't have to do it. Our provider should do it, or they should come from the factory pre-configured, but our IT supplier seems incapable of actually organizing that properly. So to make sure it's done right, got to do it yourself. Yep, been anyway. there, done that. So, and and these are, these are I'm using a Microsoft script to rebuild these machines to yep. make them Microsoft managed desktop compatible. And interestingly enough, if the script goes wrong in any way, it completely kills the USB drive. I mean, really? It makes it effectively unused. I've never seen that before. I kind of, they told me this could happen, and I kind of thought, yeah, right. But, you know, stick it in something else, like a non-Windows machine. I'm sure you can G-pass it or something like that. Nope. Absolutely nothing I tried could bring this drive back to life. It was dead. So I don't know how they managed that, but that's pretty... Um, well, in, it's good and bad, in, depending on your perspective. Hmm. So, fortunately, you know, 64 gig uh, drive now is only like about um, five, six pounds. So, you don't cry about it too much. It's, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's really nothing nowadays. Well, yeah, but here's the annoying thing. I don't have a lot of these drives because the laptops I'm building, like all modern laptops now, are USB-C only. So, that means if you want to boot them off a USB drive, you have to get a USB-C drive, which isn't actually that common mm. most of them are a and uh yeah you try and use converter and it doesn't work with that <laughs> not fun no no i'm um trying to s- solve a problem that's not really a problem but my my big screen sits up on a riser and it's a good six inches higher than my imac which yeah. sits right next to it. So I kind of wanted to raise the iMac up, but I didn't want to get a riser. I didn't want to take any more desk space. What I'd like to do is reclaim some desk space. Right. So I got a um, a Visa mount. Right. But of course, the iMac, you can't use a Visa mount with. No, you, you need a, a special Apple Visa mount adapter, I think, don't you? Well, yeah, you don't have to get it from Apple. I mean, and you, and then you have to take apart the iMac to install it. Yeah, which I don't want to do. Yeah, we we already know my history with taking apart this iMac. Yeah. Uh, so there's a Vivo adapter, Visa mount bracket for twenty seven to or twenty one to twenty seven inch iMac, and it's kind of a cool product. Um, here I'll. Uh, I'll put a note in the show notes so you can actually see it as we're discussing. Yeah. So I've already got the Visa mount on the desk. 
and it holds up to 32 pounds so this iMac should be no problem for it yeah um so this this adapter uh goes on the back of the iMac stand oh see that's clever and it kind of goes it's it's beveled so it goes into the hole and it bolts in a couple different places yeah but when you're talking about that so uh, this is gonna be hard to visualize for for people not seeing our pictures so in a normal visa mount you would kind of yeah like you say you would take the iMac apart and you would take the stand off and then you would have something coming out of the hole that comes the rectangular hole little post slit that comes out the back of the iMac you'd have something out there that had a visa connector on it so that you could then that's the way apple does it but yes. as you say it means taking the, the iMac apart what this does is this bolts to the back of the stand and that the hole you're talking about is the hole that that the cables go through Yes. So it allows those to go through. And then there's a bit that projects. So it, it, it's using that for support. And then there's a bit that projects up above it that actually has the visa mount on it. it this is a clever solution. Well, it's clever if it works well. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so what's going to happen, I presume, when you've got this working is that your iMac will be kind of suspended in space with the stand still attached to the bottom. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it will be off the desk yep. if it works. Yeah, I think... Yeah. I don't think it looks as good with the stand still on it as if it if it didn't. No, well, no, it, it doesn't. But who cares? you've got somewhere to put your USB drives. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got the stand built. It's in it's in its place. I like the stand a lot. Um, yeah. I actually got this stand to work with a monitor at work, and then I realized after I got it and got to work. Oh, this monitor doesn't support doesn't support a Visa stand at all. Hmm. Period. There's it doesn't do it. So I was like, Grr. so I took it home. I said, you know what? I still kind of want to get that iMac up. So maybe there's some kind of an adapter. It took me five minutes to find this one, uh, and the adapter itself, uh, you know, was uh, twenty dollars. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. And then you know, it's it's really solid metal too. Well, it has to be because you know it's going to be taking the whole weight of the iMac. Yeah, and And it comes with everything you need. And yeah, I just got to actually. Why I haven't really done it? Here's the real reason. I sit down, think I'm going to do it, and I start watching a video or something, and I have to completely disconnect everything from the iMac, turn it around, install this, put it back, plug everything in. Um, it just seems kind of like a pain and. The videos don't really make it look too bad when the iMac is floating, but the problem is they have like one power cable going up to it, and that's it. I don't. I have like eight. Yeah. You know, I've got eight different cables, and I'm wondering how those cables are going to behave when it's floating around in the air. So what what I would do is I, I've when I've done this sort of thing in the past, you can get this kind of Velcro shrouding. Yeah, I have cables. It. Yep. Yeah. So what you do then is you kind of route root the cables all through the hole in the back of the mount. And then kind of shroud them up so they're then they turn into one bundle rather than going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and provide you have enough slack, and that's the hard thing is making sure you've got enough um, length so that you can have everything slack, so the ports aren't being tensioned by the mm-hmm. cables going into them. You should be okay, but then that that can cause problems at the other end, depending on how long the cables are. Right. Well, um, that and like you said, the tension because I don't want the cables to be moving the monitor or the the Mac itself pulling it one way or another. So I have to have enough yeah. slag to account so for that. So it's interesting you're you're doing this. I'm probably going to have to, well, not quite do this, but I'm going to have to come up with a different solution. At the moment, my workspace, my working from home space, 
which I'm sat recording now as a small, very, um, not very wide uh, desk, an IKEA desk. It's only about, um, I've got, it looks like about three feet wide, something like that. It's tiny. Um, and then on that, I have um, a couple of shelves in my monitor raised up, and I actually have then docks and the monitor itself has a USB-C on it so I can plug my lap, my work laptop straight into it and then I have wireless um, <clears throat> wireless keyboard and mouse and all, all of that good stuff. Um, but the thing is, we're thinking about buying um, one of these uh, kind of um, summer house offices type things to go in the garden and for me to move there. Yeah, hmm, and uh, Now, the problem is, is where I live in Salford... Yeah, it you know it has a relatively high burglary rate. So when I when I move out there, I'm not going to want to leave stuff in there all the time, just because I don't want things stolen. I don't want the windows smashed in for somebody trying to steal something. So that means I can't have a fixed monitor leaving out there um, because I'm going to need to bring it in when I'm not working. There. So a quick release visa mount. Yeah, but yeah, see, see, that's what. My wife said as well. She said, "Well, you, you the monster, use the monster you got. Just bring it in when you're not using it." But the problem with that is that is that I'm not going to find someone to put it when I'm not using it, and mm-hmm. taking it in and out is going to be a pain in the neck. So I'm toying with the idea of maybe getting one of these, you know, these um, 15-inch monitors that run off USB-C, and they kind of fold up like a like a tablet when you're not using them. They have a case on. Yeah, I have one. Uh, and and they basically, it's basically like a detached laptop stand, laptop monitor, and you can just plug that in for your second monitor. I'm toying with the idea of that. I'm, we, we need to have the thing built first, so um, yeah. I'll have to, I've got plenty of time to think about this. But I've just started thinking about what, what would work and what, what would not. I suppose a quick-release visa would, would be okay, but then I've got to think about what to do with the monster when I'm not using it, and I'll be worried about just moving it and then breaking it, you know. No, I like your first solution better. I actually have one of those. Um, yeah. The idea that when I first got it was um, to connect a Raspberry Pi to it, and it was just going to be for gaming, and it'd be portable-ish. And it works great for that. I mean, the monitor gets a great picture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just ended up hooking it up to the 32-inch TV right next to my computer and, yeah. you know, with a hdmi switch <laughs> yeah and, and I, <laughs> that works better. yeah I, I could always work i could always just go to single monitor and uh and not not have a second monitor uh if i have to so i've always got that option as well um you know once so. you get used to a second monitor it's hard not to have one though well the you thing find is, yourself not, rearranging windows a lot yeah mine is not really a second monitor it's my only monitor because i no, don't I, yeah the, i keep the laptop closed like a clamshell but it yes it's a 24 inch high resolution display um, I can get lo- much more inf- information on there than I can on my regular laptop screen. Absolutely. Right. So, um, you know, and, and because of the nature of the work I'm doing, I'm going to have another laptop as well that I have to use for the home office work because that's secured to only connect to the home office network. So I'm rocking two laptops as it is. Um, and the solution I have for that at the moment, um, which is quite good, is I bought one of those um, electronic USB switches. Okay. So yeah. I have I have the wireless dongle for my uh, mouse and keyboard plugged into that, and then I have the switcher plugged into the USB hub for the monitor. So that basically means when I switch, everything switches over to the other computer, and then what I do is I can just then switch the input ones on USB C, the other ones on DisplayPort, and so when I switch over and kind of click the mouse on the other computer, it it wakes up and then the monitor switches over to that display. Huh. So I can do that. So that's that's a neat solution as well. But again, I'll have to rethink all of that too because that won't work with a 
an external USB-C monitor. So, so that, uh, that's what we've been doing, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know these are the tedious things one thinks about. I I did play with something new this week, and I'm mm-hmm. going to put it in the show notes so that you can see what it is. Um, this is something called the Clockwork Pi Dev Term, huh. and this is this is something I pre-ordered on. Well, it it, it was kind of like Kickstarter, but it wasn't. It was Kickstarter through the company. Um, did you put the uh, note in yet? Uh, no, not yet. I'm just get just getting to it. They, I want to see it as you talk. Yeah, the annoying thing of it is that the picture at the top of the screen is actually of the thing kind of <clears throat> broken into pieces, and I actually want you to see what it looks like when it's all put together. Um, oh, you'll have to scroll down. Let me do that. So what this is, um, the, I mean, you can tell what kind of tell what it is from the name dev term. It's the idea is a development terminal, so it has a thin but wide LCD display and it's a little tiny um, kind of handheld computer that has a Raspberry Pi in it. You can buy it with they they also do an ARM version that has like a a more powerful ARM thing than Raspberry Pi Um, and when I say tiny, it's tiny it's about um, probably about A5 size the whole thing. So it has a little tiny keyboard, this um, thin but wide display at the top and you basically you put it together yourself and they send it to you in bits so I, I spent an evening this week putting it together it's kind of like putting together a um uh, like a model plane but those ones that clip together rather than needed glue it was yeah. a little bit like that there was no screws it did was you get the mouse and the monitor and everything you it, it's all one unit That's, so okay yeah all so right. you've got a you've got a a, a tiny little keyboard uh, and it is tiny i mean it, it's kind of like a pda type keyboard and then there's a roller ball above it that you can use for, for scrolling around. Um, and then you get the display. And the only thing you have to supply is the batteries because they won't ship the batteries from Hong Kong. Um, but the thing is, it is a Raspberry Pi. So you've got standard USB ports on both sides, uh, HDMI out and all of that sort of stuff. So the thing is, if you want to turn it into kind of a like a desktop style Raspberry Pi, just plug in a, a mouse and keyboard, plug it into a monitor and away you go. But then you've got the advantage with this one over a regular Raspberry Pi that you can just dis- disconnect it and take it with you whenever you want to. Runs on two batteries it looks Yeah, they're, they're 18650 batteries which you'll sometimes see in flashlights. Yeah. Um, they're very easy to get hold of. They're uh, they're kind of, um, it's a bit like a, like a bulked up AA battery. Um, and they're rechargeable, so the thing recharges straight away. Thermal it's, printer? Yeah, that's, that's that's one of the weird things. It has that built in, and it's really kind of cool. It's like um, it's like a till receipt printer. You know, you'd see on a... I was going to say, you could almost use yeah. this for, like, um, you know, a, a very, very small business, a garage sale or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But the, I, mean, I think the idea is, is that you've got some output if you're, you know, kind of developing stuff and you want to refer to a bit. They know about gamers, though, because yeah. they put you know gaming buttons right on the keyboard they did and and they also did the game shell which was a raspberry pi based um game boy clone that was previously done for arcade games so so yes this this basically because it's it can run retro main um and you, uh, retro arch sorry and you can run all the anything that the raspberry pi 3 can do this can do um it's a really neat little system and what the advantage for me is that I have a couple of Raspberry Pis here, but I hardly ever use them because it's a pain in the neck to get them out, disconnect my other thing, plug them into a monitor, sit down and do what I do with them. Yeah, no, they they did a, a limited production run, but they will be doing more. 
Um, and it, it was relatively cheap. I think this was about $200, including the Raspberry Pi, because uh, it uses the Raspberry Pi compute model. It doesn't use a standard Raspberry Pi. It uses the one that's designed for... Um, that's designed for these sorts of embedded applications, but it's completely modular. So if you want to change the processor for one of these custom ARM processors they've worked with a bit more horsepower on, you can do that. You can just take it apart and replace it. It kind of clips in like a memory stick. Um, it's a really neat little device. It's really well thought out. Um, and uh, as I say, I'm looking forward to actually doing a bit more Raspberry Pi stuff than perhaps I have in the past with this thing. It looks cute. So, I like it. Yeah, it is. It is. It's... Um I don't have a place or a time in my life to use this. Yeah. So you got something else um, after we discussed it on, I think it was, I don't think it was Tech Fan. I think it was uh, Geeks Pub. Geeks Pub that we discussed it. That's right. I bought the the wireless CarPlay adapter that you recommended to your colleague. Yeah. You bought for yourself and gave to your colleague. I forget how. Yeah. Yep. Um, So yeah, in fact, I ordered it while we were on the show uh, last time and we talked about it. Um, and uh, I'm really pleased with it, actually. It's really quite good. It, I mean, it is completely seamless. You just plug it into the port, connect it, you, you, and then the, it displays over the CarPlay screen. It displays its own connection thing. You connect it up, and then you're pretty much good to go. Every time you get in the car, it just fires itself up. I have had a couple of Bluetooth connection problems, but I think that's from the latest 14.8 iOS update because I've had bluetooth problems on other devices as well so i think they broke something in bluetooth that needed a hard reset to get it working again yep but um in terms of how the device works it's fine i did a long journey with Waze the other day and it was fine um i listen to amazon music a lot more than i used to in the car now because i can actually select my playlists using the in-car controls which is brilliant um i've done calls through it i did a team's call through it the other day it's all good and it's completely you know, Wireless. the only, yeah, the only, the only thing is there is a delay between Slight. you. Yeah, if you're if you want to change a track or something like that, or um, not going through the CarPlay interface, but it's just the play controls. So if you want to move, I often in my podcast I'll jump forward thirty or sixty seconds to skip an ad or something, and there's there's about it's probably about half a second, three quarters second you. delay. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm stealing. Um, there's probably yeah there's, there is that that slight delay between hitting hitting forward and the and the podcast jumping forward but i've encountered that on wired that same delay on my my wife's toyota for instance the system in there has a delay of exactly the same length when you're on wire using the uh, the phone so it's really not that that big a deal at all the important thing is if if you were moving around the CarPlay interface as you're kind of scrolling around the icons and you had that, it would be unusable, but it doesn't have that at all. It's literally only the audio um, skipping back and forth. So, um, yeah, it's great. And I think for um, for what you pay for it, it's uh, it's a pretty good deal to give yourself wireless CarPlay. And frankly, everybody should have wireless CarPlay or, or wireless. I, I presume it works with Android Auto. But I've not uh, tried yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. Some of them do. This one... Is particularly Apple CarPlay, yeah. But yeah, they have these for Android Auto as well. Yeah, so, and quite um, honestly, Android Auto isn't as graphic as intensive as as Apple CarPlay. In fact, Android Auto is really quite boring and lame. Um, well, to, to yeah, use. But, but if you have an Android phone and you want to use Android yeah. apps in the car, it's it's all you've got. So yeah. you're going to use it. Yeah. 
Um, we actually got an email from Donnie Ankelo. Because remember, when we were talking about this, I mentioned that the first time I had heard about this, well, at least the first time I knew someone who actually bought one, was Donnie Yankelo, and he did a review at MyMac.com for it. So uh, I don't know if you've got that up, if you want to read it, or I can read it. Sure, yeah, I can read it. Um, I just clicked the link to see the one here. The one he, the one he's got looks very similar to the one I have. So Yeah, but they're different brands. They're different internals, yeah. yeah. His, and his, he got his over a year ago, so... Yeah. He goes, hey guys, heard the talk about wireless CarPlay. As you may remember, I tried one a while back that didn't live up to expectations, but I've always been on the lookout for something that works. About two months ago, I saw this on Amazon and decided to give it a try. Uh, and then, okay, so this, so this is, is a new one. This is the Drive DriveLink C2, CPlay 2 Air. Yeah, I'm happy to say I'm still using it. Is it perfect? No. However, to say it's very close. Every now and again, there is a graphic glitch, and that puts a solid block around the text of an icon, but swiping the screen gets rid of it. There is a slight delay when pushing icons that isn't noticeable until you look for it, but it does not affect functionality at all. Which is exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, I don't think mine... I don't notice one, mine on the icons, but I, I suppose I could look a bit harder. Um, but, but yeah, with, with me, it's just the audio... Um, track control so surprisingly he says I'm very happy with it and love hopping in the car and not have to take the phone out of my pocket and connect it to the cable my drive to work is under 10 minutes these days and I wouldn't even bother connecting my phone to the cable for a drive that short with this I don't even think about it until Apple releases a solution which will they will have to if the portless phone rumors come true one day this will do so yeah I, I mean I'm mean, I'm I'm with you Donny uh, that's exactly the, the thing for me um as I think I've talked about in the show before, I tend to keep my iPhone in my pocket wherever I go. And so if I plug the phone into the car, then I will often, when I get out of the car, forget it's there and leave it behind and then have to either come back or hope it doesn't get stolen. So for me, having CarPlay just come up immediately just means that I'm using CarPlay all the time now. I'm very happy with that. It means uh, it's nice to be able to choose a podcast to listen to without having to do that on, on my watch as I'm driving down the road which I shouldn't really do and that's what I've been doing up until now and now I don't need to do any of that because I can use CarPlay to control everything I get you get all the other stuff of course you know Leanne sends me a text message Siri will read that out to me and uh, I never used to bother doing that before because she always used to get the I'm driving don't disturb me uh, notification yeah. you don't get that when you connect with CarPlay because it knows it can present the message to you safely um, yeah, really pleased with it, and a uh, good recommendation. And um, so it sounds like we've got another one. If the the one the one that we've talked about doesn't work for you, then maybe you could try this other one. Donnie's got. Um, I guess the only thing that um, you that maybe we can't really effectively test for is whether the uh, there's something about the way CarPlay is implemented in your particular car and your particular head unit that might make the performance of these things different between different vehicles. Yeah. It shouldn't because CarPlay is meant to be a standard. But Yes. Well, yeah. it's supposed to be. Um, I think that all of these competing brands are probably using the same uh, SOC chip, system on a chip. Yeah. Um, so I think they all probably perform very similarly. I'm still... The reason I gave mine away is the 40-minute one-way drive. I yeah. like plugging my phone in. Yeah. My my biggest issue is where I put my phone when I plug it in. Sometimes I I have a, a magnetic mount that I can mount it right there, and I kind of like that, but it's on a vent, yeah. and that's not too bad when it's cold. It's hot outside, and I got the AC running. Quite a different story when it's hot, and I'm blowing heat all over my iPhone. That doesn't sound yeah. 
very nice. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it, I can get another one if I want, and it won't cost me anything. But eh, I don't know. I, I it it just doesn't fit how I'm using Apple CarPlay. Yeah, because I'd rather my phone charging up rather than using this. Yeah, and and I've been mm-hmm. in that position too, as I mentioned before. I mean, my iPhone 11, the battery is is getting close to 80% now, and I've definitely noticed the shortage in power. But I, what I do is if if I want to charge my phone, I still use the wireless CarPlay. I don't want to disconnect this box. It's only a, it's the size of. Um, it's kind of the size of an Altoid box. It's not yep. very big. And that's just on a short cable that goes to the USB socket in the front of my dash. And then it goes into a little... Uh, there's a little receptacle underneath where you can leave pens and things. And I have it in there. I don't want to disconnect it when I want to reconnect my phone. So what I do is you, you use the second USB port on my car that's Which just Which is power. charge only. Yeah, and I just have the long cable coming out of that. So, and that's that's in the armrest. So anytime I want to charge my phone... Um, then, then I just pull the cable out of that and and charge the phone on that, and uh, that means I'm not fiddling with the uh, with the uh, the CarPlay connection, uh, and that that works fine. Uh, speaking of your battery getting a little low on your iPhone, Apple had an event this week. Yep. Which oh. I did not and don't even care to watch the event. Uh, well, 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 I watched it. I sat down and watched it with the kids. Um, you know, it's look. And nowadays, these events, you know what to expect. Yep. Um, and it was very much what we expected. There's a usual bit of kind of rubbish at the start. There was a bit in the middle with Fitness Plus that kind of didn't really do anything for anybody. Um, but, you know, it's about the product reveals. And, and they have lots of swooping cameras and drone cameras and things like that now. They This this time, they kind of, they really kind of lent into the California thing. So... Every they do sing- that every year. I'm, I'm yeah, tired this- of thing about California. I really don't give a shit. Well, yeah, this is the thing. So this this year, what they did is every presenter was presenting in a pl- different place in California with a virtual screen behind them. So they had somebody at some bandstand. They had somebody on a dock. Um, Boring. You know, yeah, they, and and these are all locations in California. We get it. California's beautiful. Um, you know, Did they have any fun. of the big forest fires or the homeless people this time? Uh, no, no, fully not. Oh, well, so it's not really yeah. the California experience. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, idealized. I yeah. think would be the word yeah. we would choose. Yeah. Um, but anyway, enough about the presentation. Did itself. they at least show the people that work at Apple that live in RVs all around Cupertino? No. Like peeing on the sidewalk and all that. None of that. No, none of that neither. No. You Weird, know, and, and none of, none of the people who are now working from home and don't want to want to go back to Cupertino either. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, so we, you and I look, look. Let's be clear. You and I are both becoming increasingly frustrated with Apple as being the big corporate bad rather than the big corporate good they used to be, or we felt they were used. To, maybe, maybe they never really were, but they, now they never really were. But the difference is they were the underdog. The, yeah, exactly. And now they're one of the richest companies in the world, and sometimes they do some things we feel are somewhat distasteful. And we're going to and we're going to get we'll into get that, that in a minute yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, products they launched. The first one was the iPad, the iPad Mini, um, which has received an update. And effectively, this iPad Mini is if you took last year's iPad Air 4, which I bought, and you shrunk it down to mini size, that's what this one is. I don't understand the market for an iPad Mini, to be honest with you. Um, If you want something smaller, but more of a tablet, just get the iPhone Max, right? Or at least the Pro, I mean... 
But that, while the iPhone Mini is not cheap, um, the Max is double the price of a Mini. So, um, you know, that... that but you're going to have a phone anyway, so why... I, well, I, yeah, because some people want two devices. Some people, I think, want a phone and then they want a bigger device. And some people probably... I think the market for the iPad Mini mostly is either um, parents buy for their kids... And they don't want a big. They don't want a big, a bigger device than that. And then I think it's second iPad, so people have a lot of money. Uh, and it's basically saying, you know, yeah, I have my iPad that I carry around with me most of the day. But you don't want to, when I'm reading in bed. I want something a bit smaller, and I don't want something as small as my phone. And the iPad Mini fits that bill. And I, I suspect that it starts market. at five hundred dollars. Yeah, well, I don't think they sell a lot of them because of that. Yeah, and I don't they've think really so leaned into that this time round. You could argue because they, the cheapest, they also updated the cheapest iPad, um, and uh, you know it's the same thing that that it's always been. It's a couple of generations behind what the current iPad, what the current iPad Airs and Pros and that sort of thing is. But you know what? It's still, but far and away, the best tablet you can buy. Um, and it's also the best value tablet you can buy since they re- since since they start producing this cost reduced one it starts at three twenty nine, and you know to get to get a, an iPad for equivalent of a couple of years ago's uh, Air or Pro for three twenty nine is 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 an awesome deal. It's yep. an absolutely awesome. It supports the pencil, admittedly the first gen pencil, but who cares? Um, you know these are the these are the things that you see in kiosks in in um in restaurants and and you know anywhere where you type your uh, license plate in for car parking or anything like that um these are the ones that people buy and they're also the ones that a lot of people buy for their kids they get bought a lot for schools you know they, they're kind of cheap and cheerful and you know what even an i the chips in the ipads are so good that even one with a two generation old a13 yeah is still an amazing processor for a tablet. Yeah. And these things are great, you know, and they've got great battery life and they're fanless. And um, they kind of, I suspect, they very strongly lead uh, Apple's iPad sales. The Mini, I think, is, an, is a niche product for specialists. It's for people who, yeah, can afford to splash a bit more money or for people who, who literally just find, uh, you know, they want to do a lot of reading on it and they want something smaller. This one's got a bigger screen. It's got 8.2 inch rather than 7.9. Um, it's got the, as I say, it's got the internals of the iPad Air. So it's got, um, you know, uh, the, in fact, it's faster than the current iPad Air because it's got the latest chip in it, the A15. Uh, it's got USB-C charging. It's got the great display with the ProRes and all of the good stuff like that. Basically, it's a mini iPad Air. Um, and if that floats your boat, then this is great. It's great that for a long time, the iPad mini was kind of the one that never got updated. So it's great that they've found a place for it in the lineup for people who want something smaller. And, um, you know, I, I, I reckon some people have an iPad they use at home and then when they travel, they want something smaller to watch video on and, and that sort of thing. And if you have money, then this is for you. Next thing was the uh, new iPhone 13, which, meh. Well, you know, look, you know, you I, I know you say this every year, meh. This no, is, I didn't last year. The iPhone 12, yeah. that was the one that finally got me. I was like, oh, that's the one I've been waiting for. Yeah. Well, and they didn't you, do... Yeah, but, but these are... You, they can't... I, I, don't, I think it's unreasonable to expect them to massively even innovate every year. Oh, I don't yeah. expect them every year, but every couple of years would be good. Well, yeah. Well, so you said they innovated last year. This year, they've they've kind of... Um, it's a bump. Well, well, it's not even a spec bump, though, because the interior... The in, 
inside the phone is completely different. It is a completely new interior design. It's just that the what they were aiming for um, kind of came out like a spec bump. It's it's apparently got a, a much better. We won't know until these actually launch. Um, but it's apparently got a much better camera again because that's really important for people. This one has um, a real image stabilization on the lens rather than digital image stabilization. So it's physically moving the lens. That's always well, going to be Well, they did a good that on thing. the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Yeah, but now it's pushed down to the regular iPhone. Yep. Um, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what you're going to, I expect to see now. The OLED screen apparently is better now than it was last year. You know, everything is better. Um, the, but the big thing, for, I think, for a lot of people is that they've the way they've redesigned it, they found more space in the case, so they were able to put a better battery in. Um, and that means that you're going to get better battery life, even though you're getting some increased performance over last year's phone because you're getting the latest chip. Now, that is a big deal. These are the sort of things that people want out of their phones. And I suspect what Apple is doing is is that they're, you know, they're coming up with their new design and then they are tweaking it for a couple of years to keep it ahead of their competitors until they come up with the next one. It's going to be interesting to see this year how they camera system and the overall performance of the phone in terms of battery life and what have you compares with the Samsungs of this world and what their latest phones are like. Um, I Don't get me wrong, I'd love to see, as, as, as you know, I'm a proponent of the folding phones, I'd love to see Apple do a folding phone. I think that would be awesome. I'd love to have a phone that did that. I'd love them to kill the iPad mini and do a, a combination of the iPhone and, and the iPad mini in something that folds closed. I think that would be amazing. Um, I hope it happens one day. I'm sure it will. Um, but they're not ready to do it at the moment. Um, you know, everything on this is is a little bit better. And that's you. That's what you want them to be doing. If you've got a 12, should you be upgrading to a 13? Absolutely not. And, no. You know, and people prob- some people will, but most people won't. Um, I think people who do that are, uh, well, again, you know, some people want to have the latest and greatest. Um, and they're quite happy to trade up. Some people are on the upgrade program, so they can trade up with relatively little penalty. I'm on an 11 with a battery that's starting to go, um, and we replace our phones in our business every two years, so I'll be getting a 13, so I'm excited about that. You're going to get the one terabyte one? No, but you know what? Here's a good thing. Finally, Apple is dropping the... is You know, I think across the board, they doubled the amount of storage you get in the entry-level model. So they're all now 128 gig. Um, the, obviously, the older phones aren't. So if you're buying last year's 11, you're going to get a 64 gig one. Um, but 128 gig is is great. I, I'm not somebody who personally believes that 64 is unusable. Back when they were on 32s and 16s, it was unusable. But I find 64 is fine if you're prepared to use the app thinning and the you know offload unused apps and stuff like that that Apple provides. Um, and if you mostly do your music and video via streaming rather than local storage, then I think most people can manage on the 64, but it's nice to get a 128, because a 128, you just need to stop thinking, it just means you can stop thinking about all any of that and just have everything on there. It's a lot harder to fill a 128 gig device. So the fact that Apple are doing that when historically they've been very stingy on storage uh, inside the devices, I think is, is also a good thing. And, and for some people, that in itself might be worth an upgrade. Well, hopefully they carry this new attitude over to the next generation of iMacs and Mac Minis. I don't think they should sell anything with less than, quite honestly, one terabyte. That's that's the bare minimum on a desktop computer or a laptop. And 
you know damn well we're still going to get those 256 gigabyte well, ones. Yeah, if you look across the industry, because I buy a lot of Windows laptops for work as well, um, 256 is the standardized entry level now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which is uh, garbage. Well, again, it depends what you're doing with it. I think the, the, the problem with laptops is that, is that um, for a lot of people using laptops... Yeah, they're not doing much on it rather than kind of worky type stuff. They're doing word processing, spreadsheets, email, browsing, all that sort of thing. They don't really use... They might watch the occasional video. They probably watch YouTube a lot um, and that sort of thing. But they're not actually doing a lot on the computers that require a lot of local storage. So actually, for an awful lot of people, all the computers in our business are 256 gig. Um, And when you've got our standard install Windows 10 on there and our standard software load... There's about 90, 100 gig left. And um, if you're just still working in documents and stuff like that, you don't need anything more than that because documents are tiny. It's only video and audio and stuff like that that takes the space up. And in a business context or a working context or a student context, you're not using that space. When you need the space is when you when you are creating video and photos and stuff like that or you're playing games because the games are big. And that's when you need the space. Um, and um, so that means the laptop industry looks at that and goes, well, that's a premium use. We're going to charge a premium price. Yeah. You know. What do you uh, think of the, uh, let's move away from Apple for a minute. I don't know if we talked about this or not. I, I don't remember, but Amazon actually released their own TVs finally. Did you see this? I well, I don't think they've released them in the UK, so I'm not as familiar with them as, as maybe you are. They're uh, they come the Fire TV, uh, four series, forty three inch, is three sixty nine, which isn't a bad price. Nope. Four K. I mean, it's got all the latest specs and stuff. Uh, fifty inch and fifty five inch, and they yeah. also have a Fire TV Omni series, which adds fifty bucks. Um, I guess they're more cinematic. I'm looking at the specs. Okay, hands-free with Alexa, two-way calling with Alexa communications, uh, Dolby Vision. I mean, quite honestly, these look very good. I I wonder who's making their screens for them, because I know Amazon's not making this TV. Um, Yeah. They're, I see they're not shipping till October. So I don't know know when these are going to be released in the UK, because... They've not made a big deal. Of, obviously, you know when stuff's coming from Amazon because when you're on the site, they plug it That's pretty hard. That's how you see, yeah. Yeah, so they've not announced these here. Um, but I, I think, you know, again, based on... I mean, we, we were recommending to John a couple of weeks ago, the Roku TVs, this is kind of, you know, the same meat, different gravy, really. This yeah. is... Um, you have all the smarts built in, which is what you want. The smarts nowadays are much better than than the manufacturer own stuff. Oh, you know, it's not even close. It's, and it's even the manufacturer own stuff is is a lot better than it used to be because the processors have become so cheap. Yep. So um, the nice thing about this is that if you're a you're fully Echo house, then um, you know then you can you can use all those features on the TV and also have it interact with your Echoes, which is I think is. Is something we certainly do a lot here. We use a lot of our, we use the Echoes in the house for, uh, and we've got a couple of screens on now. We use them for talking around the house to people in different rooms. You know, sometimes we, we might have the music streaming to a different location from where the source is and stuff like that. So the, the opportunity to have your, um, 
have your uh, uh, your TV kind of involved in that ecosystem is kind of nice. So and, and yeah, the the prices are right. I mean, the prices are not much more expensive than a uh, you know a cheapo TV from some of the uh, entry level brands, which is what we've been recommending. We're saying it's not worth spending a lot of money on a TV now. So um, yeah, I mean, you obviously you've got search on this, so you can do you know uh, you can ask Alexa to pull your stuff up from Prime or Netflix or what have you, and it will do all of that automated searching. That should be a nice a nice solution. So a Fire TV Omni Series 43-inch, 409. Uh, Fire TV Omni Series 50-inch, 509. So you go from a 43 to a 50-inch, and that is a big jump. Yeah. It really is. You go from 50 to 55 inches, it costs you another 50 bucks. That's 559. And then the, the two top-tier ones with Dolby Vision... The sixty-five inch, sixty-five inches, yeah. for eight twenty-nine, and the seventy-five inch with Dolby Visions, um, eleven hundred bucks. So, yeah, that's you know, because John was talking about what a forty-three or forty-nine inch TV for a thousand dollars from Sony. Yeah, there's no way. That's no. That's insane. Uh, he also came back and was asking about a Visa mount. Um, I, I I don't know if he's bought it yet or 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 even what TV. So John, you gotta kind of fill us in. In fact, John, you know, show. Let, let, let's do this, yeah. John. Yeah. You already know how to record and send audio. You used to do it on the My Mac podcast. You did it here on Tech Fan way back in the day. Pull out your phone, send us an audio. We'll drop it right in the show, and uh, we can hear your uh, your. Uh, your voice i haven't heard your voice in forever man send, a, send us an audio of exactly what you did what you bought what you paid and what your impressions are we, we just gave nemo homework yeah <laughs> so so guess what well guess what the top search on google when you kind of click in i've got fire tv omni in the google box here yeah so when you click on it and it offers you other suggestions for what pub- other people have asked for the first top suggestion is fire tv omni uk so I guess people want to know when it's coming here. Yeah, never. You're not getting it. <laughs> no, I, I, I watch mean... Watch it on I, your phone and be happy. The way, the way it tends to work with Amazon is that they launch something in the US and after about six, seven months, then they start talking about launching it here. So yeah. I guess guess next year, we, if they're successful, then we'll see these come, come here. And let's be honest, you know, what's the advantage over this than a Roku? Nothing, not really. A, a Roku-focused TV... You can still have the Amazon app on there, and watch yeah, your- and and some yeah, some the, the higher end ones have voice have a voice yeah. remote, so you can talk to them. So uh, a lot of these features are becoming because I guess if you you know this will be an advance to you if you're really all in on the Amazon ecosystem. So yeah, you know if if you do have Echoes all over the house, this is going to fit in very slightly better. Um, but you know if if you need a TV today in the UK and you can't get it buy one of the other ones yeah you know? I, I don't i don't think you're missing anything really it's what's what's interesting with the roku is that I, i've seen that roku do this thing that's a sound bar with a roku built in yeah and that's kind of interesting because one of the one of the downsides of these cheap tvs are recommending is they often have really crappy sound yep and so you know a cheap sound bar 
That's what we did with our TV. We have a, it's a JVC TV, but actually it's not really JVC. It, they, um, one of the department stores here in the UK kind of did a deal with to, to use the JVC brand on, on the stuff they sell. And so um, it's not a proper JVC. If you go to the JVC website, you won't find these things. They're, they're made in Turkey by somebody uh, and they can slap the JVC name on for brand recognition. And, you know, it's a fine TV as as yeah, I think it's a 47 something like that inch TV. It works fine. It does. It does everything we need it to. We've got an Apple TV plugged into it for smarts. Um, because it is a few years old now, and this is a three, four-year-old TV. But the problem when we had when we when we started using it in our kitchen, where we watch it a lot of time, is the audio just sounded terrible. Yeah. So we picked up, you know, a, kind of a seventy-dollar soundbar from, um, you know, I, I I can't even remember which brand it is. Doesn't matter, really. It doesn't matter because it, you know what we. <laughs> We're not looking for Dolby 5.1 audio on this thing. We're just looking for slightly better sound. And yeah, it sounds... I want to hear what the actors are saying right exactly, now. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. this sounds night and day. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 like going from from tape to to CD in terms of the quality of the sound. It just it's just it's so much so that it, and it's plugged into the TV VAR HDMI, so it automatically switches over when you start using the TV. Anytime that goes wrong and, and it stops working and you have to reboot it, you notice straight away. You go, well, what's, what's happened to the sound? Oh, it, yep. it, now, it now sounds like it's coming out from the back of the fridge. Yeah, we have, <laughs> um, on our big TV, I think it's a, I don't even know what it is, 55-inch maybe? Yeah. TCL, it's a Roku, and I've got a sound bar on it. Yeah. We lived with it for about two months with the sound on the tv itself and i just i couldn't take it anymore yeah when i can't hear like the the music and the dialogue was at the same volume there's yeah. no separation I, I couldn't hear anything so we just went out and bought a oh maybe a 200 dollars sound bar um yeah and it well the, the difference is night and day now I'll be honest with you, back when I had, you know, a great big, the first generation HD TVs, which was still um, a tube TV, if you will. Yeah. A CT, CRT. Um, I had a killer stereo system, awesome speakers, surround sound. I have yet to reproduce that level of quality with a sound bar, but I take so much less space, and that's more important to me now than you know pitch perfect audio i don't oh, i don't I'm, need that when yeah. i'm watching a movie in there and anybody who's listening to this show who who's you know thinking that maybe when it, when this is not a great recommendation these cheap tvs will definitely understand that the sound is is definitely the floor in our in our approach yes and and i'm sure a lot of those people are thinking god i would not i wouldn't use a soundbar because soundbars are, are like the poor white trash of uh of the TV world, it's like you know they really look down on because everyone says, well, they, they don't really do fulfil the promise. They promise to give you full five point one audio yeah. in a, in a but little box. Neither one of us are going TV. for that. But that's not what we want. Yes, I no. completely agree with you. If you want proper movie grade surround sound, then you need to have a proper system with speakers all around and all of that. Yeah. But you know that that's great if you have a dedicated living room where you can spend the time putting speakers in place where you want and running the cabling and all of that but a lot of people don't want that they just want something that, as you say that's that's you know pleasantly audible from the tv has a bit of volume to it if you want to crank it up um you know but they're not they're not looking for the full movie experience and that's when a soundbar really 
helps you out. And as I say, with a Roku soundbar, you can get the um, the decent app experience directly built in. I'm surprised Apple's never done one, to be honest, because you'd have thought that'd been their wheelhouse is to to do uh, a combination of, of the Apple HomePod TV, and the Apple TV. Apple in one TV box. HomePod, yeah. Yeah. I would think that that would be 100% in the wheelhouse. I am surprised that they haven't done that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I know for a long time everyone was talking about an Apple TV. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, well, an, an actual TV. Yeah. Yeah, with a screen in it that's yes. Apple. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't think that'll actually happen. Um, no. And I, I th- I, because the price point would be ridiculous and it would yeah. be less functionality than what you're getting from Amazon, for Christ's sakes. By the time you can buy an Apple branded TV, you'll be able to take it home from the store in the boot of your Apple car. Yes. <laughs> and unroll it and and use Velcro to stick the whole thing because it'll be paper thin and foldable. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a if you want a bigger one, you just roll another one next to it and it wirelessly, you know, expands. Yeah, just the whole yeah. Thing. As long as you use the special tape to join yes. them together. Yeah, which costs <laughs> yeah, you know conductive tape. Yeah. Four hundred dollars. <laughs> um. So with that, yeah. we're going to wrap up this episode. Ah, hang on. There's one fan. thing. No. There's one oh. thing we haven't covered. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, and we do have some time. We did not yeah, cover the did. Apple Watch. Yeah, we do got to talk about the Apple Watch. I don't care about the new Apple Watch because it's it's barely an upgrade. I know what Apple's thing said and all that. I don't. It, it, yeah, you know what? I had a very little piece of reality distortion field while I was watching the presentation. I thought, oh wow, this looks really good and much better than my existing. I have a Series Six. And then, you know, yeah, after the video stopped, I thought so, thought to myself, I was like, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, but, you know, a new Apple Watch is not cheap. No. Yeah, you're looking at nearly $400 starting yep. price. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I thought, what, for a bigger screen and, and better battery life and fast charging, which I, <laughs> I look at that go, man. hang on a minute, the current watch charges about an hour. Yeah, what the hell do you need fast charging for? Right. Yeah. Um Especially if you then need a different puck, which you do. Um, I, I, I again, I understand. Look, we are in this this cycle now. A lot these products are becoming very mature, and Apple just has to iterate on them in a year by year basis. They have to make them better. But I. But don't there think, is a there's a keyboard on there now, David. Well, I'll, let's come to that in a minute. I just want to finish my point about the um, the actual iterative design. I don't think they're aiming these 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 products of people who bought one last year i think these are the upgrade products especially yeah, i've year. got an apple watch three this would be a good upgrade for me uh and, and really i think you should upgrade from the three because you're going to have increasing problems trying to update that watch because it's yeah so i did the last space. time yeah, yeah. I, so, I could barely get it and i wanted the last update because it it allowed me to unlock my phone from my yeah. watch if i was wearing a mask yeah. less I, of a problem now but yeah. It was a worthwhile upgrade. So yeah, I think, in that I think regard, anyone like, with a, yeah, anyone with a three should at least look at getting an SE at this. I, I'm waiting for a, an actual redesign. Well, so here's the thing. This is what I came to as well. After I kind of, um, you know, sniffed some um, some smelling salts after the, the my brief reality distortion filled moment, I thought to myself, well, yeah. The, the bigger screen would be nice, get more information on the screen, but, you know, the problem is, have I sat down and thought to myself, well, I love my Apple Watch, but really, I just wish the screen was a bit bigger. No, because the reality is, is that it doesn't matter how big the screen is, it's never going to be big enough to display phone-like information on no, it. Never. So, 
So, so um, from that well, point of view, well, the new Apple while armband will, though. I mean, it's the size maybe, of your forearm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's where they're coming, or the the watch will drive. They, that I mean, that'd be a smart thing if the watch wirelessly drives whatever their AR AR product ends up being, maybe rather than right. a phone. Yeah. That'd be kind of awesome. Yep. But yeah, so so I thought to myself, yeah, I really don't need need this device this year, having bought one last year, and and I'm with you. I I look at it. There were rumours it was going to have a different case design and that didn't come to fruition so my my attitude now is yeah i'm, I'm going to hold on to this and i'm going to wait for the new case design uh, and then then i'll think about it and then look at what the features are yep. i don't think there's anything there but if you're coming from and there are a lot of people like yourselves who are on series three and will probably go you know what i can't update my phone now time my, uh, my watch. watch now time to get a new one this one's got some nice new features on it. I'll I'll drop down the money for uh for a full upgrade. I I would say to anybody who's currently on a three, and you like your watch, and you want to keep with it. You know, at least think about an SE because an SE gives you a lot of the features you get on these later watches, but it's much faster and it's upgradable, uh, and it's a much more modern thing than what you have in a series three, or or get a used four or five or six if if you don't want to 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 get a new one. Uh, it's funny if you look at the prices of Apple Watches used on eBay and places like that, they don't hold their value as well. <laughs> no, no. Nothing like the phones do. So actually, you can pick up older models for um, for a, a fair bit less money. But I've noticed that the value of threes have kind of dropped through the floor. I mean, you can barely give them away now. And the original ones, yeah, you literally can't give them away. If you offer somebody an original generation Apple Watch now, they'll, they'll give you about 20 Twenty dollars for it, thirty dollars for it. Because I would, I would have kept mine, mine, but it bulged on me. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying. So um, I couldn't yeah. keep it. But and and here's here's the um, bit a bit well, so a bit more Apple criticism here. So one of the one of the things they announced with watch and the, and the other problem you got with the watch is you've got to try and differentiate the features that are hardware when they would do the presentation from the features that are actually built into the watch OS and every watch will get them. Um, and this one it definitely seems to be one that, that every watch will get, which is a fully um, type stroke swipeable keyboard on the watch display. I don't know whether this will come just for the ones with the slightly bigger screen, but I would imagine not. I think you'll probably get it everywhere. Um, but the problem is, is that um, earlier this year, Apple suddenly rejected uh, an app that does this for accessibility purposes and this app had been on the on the watch store for years and all of a sudden they turned around to the guy and said uh no we're rejecting this now you can't have it on the store and they said that um it was something to do with the fact it was using access and a private accessibility function which the developer says it wasn't and the developer also said well it's funny you've suddenly rejected my app because somebody reached out to me to ask to buy the app off me and i said no and uh, now they've effectively Sherlocked his feature. So he's going to court. He's going to take them to court. And you know what? <laughs> I think he's probably got a fairly strong case here. Um, you know, uh, of course, he's going to go to court and Apple are going to want to settle it because they don't want discovery in court. Of, of the emails around the discussions on this product, I'm very, very sure. Because I'm sure the emails went something along the lines of, um, yeah, we'd like to do this on the next watch. There's a guy already doing it. Um, we need to pay him off. Oh, we can't pay him off. Well, let's just do it anyway. Um, and yeah, that's it's not called good Sherlocking a company. Yeah, but you know what, Apple? They, they, 
I, I've heard, I heard on another podcast a few weeks ago talking about how really the last sort of 12, 18 months, Apple seems to be really kind of creating its own PR, own goals. And they really are coming off like a dick company now. Yeah. Uh, and this is another thing where whatever the whys and the wherefores of it, the rights and the wrongs, the point is it is the look just makes them look like they're a dick. And um, they shouldn't be doing that, you know? What they should do is they should um, they should reach out to the guy. Apparently, after they rejected the app, they stopped talking to him, even though he was trying to get the app reinstated. Um, and, you know, Apple developer relations are famous for not being particularly great. But so you know what? Somebody just reached out to the guy, brought him up to Cupertino on their dime, sat him down, said, look, this is what we want to do. What can we do to make this happen between us? You know, and kind of hammer out a deal. And and Apple just doesn't do that. Um, and the problem, of course, is the secrecy thing. They'd have been going, oh, well, we can't tell him that we want to do this feature because that would be leaking a secret about watchOS 8. Um, you know, and he might tell somebody. So we can't do that. And that Im- immediately leads to the point where they're going to have to treat him like dicks and then suffer the consequence for it. You know, and this guy apparently is, um, he's really, really pissed. And he's been critical of apple and their app policies for some time and but now they've they've you know you know when they say in the movies you know oh we can't kill the 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 hero because that'll make him a martyr yeah this is what they're doing with these guys they did it last year with hay they did it with epic in some respects even though epic were dicks themselves but what they do is they behave in a way that pisses these people so up that so much uh, that it pisses them off so much that they turn around and say you know what we're going to make a stand. We're going to make a fuss. We're going to go to court. We're going to, um, we, you know, we're going to show how terrible Apple are because they are being terrible. And that just does not play to Apple's, uh, Apple's uh, good, you know, good benefits because they are getting hammered on all sides by powerful people now. Yep. And by behaving like this, all they're do- all doing is encouraging those people to say, oh yeah, we're, we're, there's no, well, let's not give Apple a break or let's try and see Apple's side of the things. Because everyone's thinking, oh yeah, Apple, they, they, all, they have become the IBM. You know, the ones who are throwing their weight around and think they're always right and can't be dissuaded and are completely tone deaf. And, uh, you know, it's just when you're the richest company in the world or one of the richest in the world and you have incredible power, um, it's just not a good look. And, and it, it's going to have long-term consequences for the company. Yeah, I, I think this guy's got a good point. Um, as you were talking, I was actually, the verge has a really good story on it. Yeah. And, uh, I think Apple's in trouble here. Not that they care, but yeah, this is the kind of behavior that Apple has done in the past. And there's a reason it's called Sherlocking. Yeah. But it goes back even further than that. On the original Mac, there was no clock for instance. Um, but there was a shareware clock that you could buy and it would put it right up in your menu bar. And then Apple just built it into the system and killed that guy's product. Yeah. Um, it'd be one thing if they built it in and then just sent that developer a million dollars. Sorry. Yeah. We built yeah. it in. We want to compensate you for giving us this idea. Um, even that would they couldn't because they'd probably still get sued and then they'd really lose yeah. because it would be a mission. But I don't know. When you, when you, you take someone else's idea and then you just bake it into the product effectively putting them out of business that is a dick move 
Well, it, it is a dick move, but you could argue it's just business when somebody in, you know, back in the day with a clock app, uh, a, a clock app in the taskbar, you know, that's an obvious application. Uh, it was something that Apple probably should have done it anyway. And when somebody's selling that independently, you can argue, well, you know, yeah, it's, it is tough and it's horrible. Uh, and we wish we didn't have to do it, but ultimately, you know, us us doing it means that it's a better experience than your kind of separate app, um, and that is just business, right? Um, but the difference here is that this guy was selling his app on Apple's App Store using Apple's in-app purchase system and payment systems and complying with all the Apple developer rules. And, and Apple liked yeah. it so much that they even demoed it to the keyboard team at apple exactly and then all of a sudden they turn around and say oh you know we can't have this on the store anymore for some spurious reason yeah and we know that the reasoning they give is often flimsy and can't be argued against because they just cover they, they put their fingers in their ears and go la 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 whenever the developer tries to contact them to try and get it fixed yeah and then a few months later, then they come out and they've got exactly the same. And it's not even, I mean, it's exactly the same functionality. Yeah, they just copy the whole thing. Built onto the OS, yeah. And he's already showed it to the keyboard team. Yeah. That's, that's a different level of dick from just, you know, yeah, oh, we saw that clock app and thought thought we should do that. You know, Shame on you, all, Apple. Yeah, it, and, and, and they've been taking his 30% of his cut from this up until yeah. they kicked him out the store. Yep. Yeah. It, I, I'm sorry. It makes it a lot worse. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no, I, it's indefensible on Apple's part. Yeah. Now, and there will be people who argue, and I've seen these guys on the internet already going, Oh, well, you know, Apple's everyone works compartmentalized and I bet nobody uh, knew about app review um, and, and what app review had done and all this sort of thing. Well, first of all, as you said, the verge tells us that he demoed the product to Apple and you know, you can't, you, the, your defense as a, as a large corporation can't be, Oh, well, we've got lots of people and, and not everybody knows what everyone else is up to that. You know, the, this, the entity being sued is Apple, the corporation, not, not, um, certain development teams. Yeah, it's not John Clark over at the development team. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And secondly, I remember, I saw this when they rejected this app. It caused a big, it was in all the Apple blogs and tech yep. press, yeah? And don't tell me that nobody at Apple reads those. No, yeah? they do. No, you don't tell me that nobody senior at, at Apple reads those. Don't tell me that somebody who's who can be aware that there might be a conflict of interest or can be aware that the, uh, you know, that the, um, the keyboard is coming in watchOS and can hold up the hand and say, oh, well, you know, we might have created ourselves a problem here. Don't tell me that nobody like that said that. And don't tell me they didn't put it in an email somewhere, which can be found by uh, Discovery. So with that, we're going to wrap up this yeah. episode of Tech Fan. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Geeks Pub. We hope you guys are subscribed to that show. Uh, every now and then, I will stick a Geeks Pub in the Tech Fan uh, feed as you will. So if you're subscribed to tech fan every great once in a while, you might see a geeks pub. I haven't done it since we, you know, hundred percent separated the shows, but I think I might do that again here soon. Uh, we would love to get feedback from you. Same with, uh, that. So we can read your comments here. Like we did this week with Donnie Yankalo. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You could always go to techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com and leave a message right in the show notes or follow us on twitter and facebook it's tech fan podcast stop it cat go away this cat's been uh, hovering around me since we started 
She just decided this was playtime, so... Oh, the, cat, the cat can't wait for Geekspun, that's why it is. That's right. She's like, get to the geeky stuff. <laughs> so, David, I will see you next week. See you then. <laughs>